0: Hello my friends, this is astrologer DK Brainerd, and you're listening to the Stars for the People Astrology Podcast for the week of October 25th, 2010, brought to you by Empower Radio, EmpowerRadio.com, empowering you. Well, if you're a subscriber to the Words for the People email service that goes out late Sunday night, early Monday morning... You may already know that this is my second attempt at recording this week's podcast for the second week in a row. Despite my prostrations to Mercury, the God of communication, we just finished our, those of us in taking the first annual Mercury mantra challenge, just finished our 40 days tonight. Those of us who started on the same day, we have a few stragglers who will be coming in to the finish line later this week. Anyway, despite my best efforts to appease the god of communication, I once again find myself having to re-record this thing because of a technical glitch. So we're going to try to hit the main points and um, keep it short and sweet. Maybe you'll, you'll get a little less rambling from me this time around. What I really want to talk to you about this week is Scorpio and we've got the we got a couple different things going on. So on Thursday Mars leaves Scorpio and moves into the sign of Sagittarius. And then um on Saturday a couple of days ago the sun and wherever the sun goes in the zodiac, whenever the sun changes signs, that tends to kind of focus our energy collectively in that um modality of energy. So on Saturday the sun shifted from Libra air sign, communication sign, Libra, into watery Scorpio. And so we're going to continue to have this major Scorpio influence for the next month or so. We also have Mercury in Scorpio this week, and we continue to have Venus retrograde in the sign of Scorpio. But as Mars moves out and moves on into fire sign Sagittarius on Thursday, we're going to start to see um, some of the heavy Scorpio energy lift. So that's the, I think that's the optimistic news for most of us. On the other hand, we have the Sun moving forward in the early degrees of Scorpio. And then we have Venus moving in retrograde motion, moving back into the early degrees of Scorpio. And both of those planets meet up this week and make a sextile, which is a 60-degree angle, to Pluto and formerly asteroid goddess, now dwarf planet Ceres in Capricorn. So a sextile is, um, it's a communication aspect, usually sextile energy. It's it's usually considered to be positive. Um, sextiles are kind of snappy. Things tend to come pretty easy with sextiles and it's, it's sort of like, you know, you're sitting down at the cafe and you're chatting with your friend and then, you know, sometimes just this boom, this nugget of wisdom pops out and that's the way sextiles tend to happen. It's just sort of in passing. You could almost not notice it. And sometimes we don't, but there's also, um, there's also this sort of mental, um, almost Gemini like quality to it where if you're looking for the information that might just be the piece of information you need to sort of complete the puzzle, whatever we're talking about. And what I think we're talking about during for this period is, I mean, this is a really fascinating week, and, and I'm very curious to see how it's going to play out. Because what's happening in the early degrees of Capricorn is that Pluto and Ceres, and we'll talk about the Ceres myth again in, in, in a minute, are in this exact conjunction for the first time since The week of April 20th, which you may recall was when the Deepwater Horizon oil rig exploded and started this massive, you know, either the biggest or second biggest known oil spill, I believe, in in recorded history. You know, something that, and if you look, um, if you listen to the Empower Radio series on the oil spill, and if you haven't, I'd encourage you to go back and, and listen to those on demand um, or if you've read any of the, you know, what's coming out in the non-censored sort of version, you know, and, and the scientific community is kind of saying, wow, we don't know how bad this is going to be, but we know it's a lot. It's probably a lot worse than, you know, what the government wants us to believe. And, and um, you know, people in Louisiana know what's going on anyway. What's happening is that Pluto and Ceres hook up again, you know, and I w- when I looked at that chart, I said, you know, to me, that's the signature element of that chart is we've got Pluto and Ceres conjunct on the cardinal axis of the, the world horoscope. And if we look at the myth of Pluto and Ceres, you know, you've got Pluto, the Lord of the underworld, um, Hades, the, the King of the damned, you know. And then you've got Ceres, who is also known as Demeter in Greek myth. Ceres, I believe, is her Roman name. And the myth of of Ceres and Persephone and Hades goes something along the lines of Persephone's walking through the fields one day, and she spies this Narcissus, the most beautiful flower ever created. And as she leans down to get closer and inhale its wonderful, gorgeous scent, from the hundred headed flower, you know, is the most gorgeous colors. Hades comes up and snatches her and takes her down to the underworld. So at some point, Demeter realizes that Persephone's not coming back and, and she's, you know, just distraught and, and roaming throughout the earth, trying to find her daughter. And she goes to all the gods and none of the gods know where she is or will tell her where, where her daughter is. And, um, you know, she eventually Mercury or Hermes eventually comes and tells her that what, what has happened? Well, Zeus is down with this whole thing, you know, Zeus and, and, um, and Pluto have this kind of power sharing agreement. And I actually want to read a quote here. Despite what, what sometimes feels like a, um, I've been doing the Mercury mantra, you know, so, so really, um, paying attention to the archetype of the rational mind for the last 40 days. And and I've had sometimes a frustrating experience with it in the sense that I feel like I'm, I'm tuning into this archetype, you know, and, um, and I haven't been, had the kind of clear thinking that I would have liked to have had a lot of the time. Um, but at the same time, I'm also experiencing this amazing, rhythm with my deeper mind with the soul mind where, you know, even though I might be feeling confused on the surface, um, what, what I need comes to me in the most really wonderful ways a lot of the time. And so I, you know, it reminds me that we often tend to think of mercury as this sort of surfacey trickster. Um, you know, the, the, Gemini information processing kind of intellect or the Virgo rational analytical intellect. And Mercury's definitely all of those. But he also had this role in in mythology, and he has this role in, in the realm of the soul as the psychopomp or the, the guide of of the soul. And that's the role that he's fulfilling in, in the Demeter Persephone myth. And, you know, as I was, as I was reflecting on, on just, um, I've been very aware in the last week and, you know, as I mentioned in the newsletter this week, I've got Mars and Scorpio natally and Mars is in the last degrees of Scorpio. It's, um, it's a, in a conjunction with my natal Mars. So, you know, it's really triggering my sort of Mars life patterns and, I've just seen myself over the last week really projecting out, um, in my relationship and, and, um, you know, and projecting my shadow out, which for me, when I'm getting an uncomfortable space in relationship, there's, you know, I either want to completely cut and run or I turn into a caretaker. Um, you know, and I've made a lot of progress with both of those patterns, but I really saw myself doing this this week, you know, and, and of course I had, I've been working with some clients on a long-term basis and, and a, a couple of them, you know, this is one of their issues too. So it's sort of been in my face, like, Hey, you know, you can't really teach, teach about this and then just ignore it in your own life. And so as I was reflecting on that, like, what do I do with my shadow? You know, I tried to do a, a meditation with my shadow earlier today and, um, I was tired and, and fell asleep halfway through. And, and when I woke up, my shadow was still there, but you know, and, and, uh, as he, as these figures often will in the inner world when they're not getting the attention they need, um, uh, my shadow appeared, to, he was looked all kind of wan and, and worn out and faded and, you know, listless and i'm asking him you know what can i do what what can i give you what can i do that will help you um help you stop having to project in this way and i don't feel like i'm getting much of an answer from my shadow which is of course the frustrating thing about doing soul work as opposed to trying to fix things on the level of the ego You know, as anybody who's done a lot of psychotherapy could probably tell you, um, psychotherapy where you're really dealing with the more through the ego, generally talk therapy, you feel like you're getting somewhere for a while because you're able to talk about your problem in a very rational, systematic manner. Whereas when you're dealing with these images and and working with the, with the archetypes, you actually see dramatic change in your life sooner or later. Um, But there can be long periods of time where you're sitting here calling up the image of this archetype. And again, I really recommend that you use a framework like the inner guide meditation or working with somebody who can hold space with you if you're going to do this kind of exploration in order to, um, to keep it safe because the archetypes are very powerful beings. But you can have these long periods where you're working with these beings and, and you just kind of feel like you're you know, you're playing this game that isn't going anywhere, um, and you, and you know the trick is to just show up and, and keep giving attention. But anyway, uh, all this is going on in the background, and this morning I just I feel like I see, glance over and see this book that's sitting there, and and I pick it up, and you know I'm specifically thinking about this um, caretaking you know, kind of mothering role that I get unconsciously drawn into. Um, that's not, you know, not a healthy way of being in an adult relationship for me. And I open this book. It's Thomas Moore's book, care of the soul. And I open it right to the page that's with the subchapter entitled mother. And it's about the myth of Demeter and Pluto and Persephone. And so going back to the point about Zeus's complicity in this whole thing, Moore says from the Demeter point of view, the abduction into depth is an outrageous violation, but we know from the complicity of Zeus that it is also a necessity. If Zeus approves, then whatever is happening is truly the will of God. It is in the nature of things to be drawn to the very experiences that will spoil our innocence, transform our lives, and give us necessary complexity and depth. And I think that's one of the—it's um, you know, one of the gifts of Scorpio. It's interesting if you look at the signs um, in their progression through the zodiac. It often seems like each successive sign is a reaction to the previous one. So we can look at Libra, and we can see—you know when. Um, what's Libra want to do? If, if there are problems, Libra wants to create something which is beautiful and it wants to bring beauty and harmony to the world. Um, you know, and this is, I'm going to stereotype here, my Libra readers, you know, I love you. Um, but you know, the Libra reaction would be, um, Hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to put on a, a nice color coded outfit, you know, some clothes that really match nicely and I'm going to accessorize and I'm going to go out and, um, and be beautiful and I'm going to create something and, and have a conversation with my friend. And, and then if you look at the sign that follows Scorpio, Sagittarius, you know, Sagittarius is the, um, the fierce seeker of truth and Sagittarius is going to say, we're, you know, we're not going to be stuck in this negativity anymore. We just got to burn our way through it. Just burn it out. You know, go run 20 miles or, or go on an adventure to Timbuktu, or let's go down into South America and we're, We'll find the best shaman and, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we won't stand for this negativity anymore. Whereas Scorpio says, I'm, I'm going to wallow in it. I'm going to sit and go into, oh, you, you know, this is like deep, dark, painful stuff. Well, let's see how deep, dark and painful we can get. And obviously as we're doing the soul work, we want to have safeguards set up, you know, so whether that is, um, our spiritual group, our community, our family, our relationship, um, you know, our relation to our own guiding ideal, whether it's the Christ consciousness or, or, or our Buddhist practice, um, you know, whatever that may be so that we don't, the danger of Scorpio is that we go so far into the darkness that we, we lose our center and and we're, we're overtaken we're overcome by those archetypal forces. And obviously we don't want that, but one of the things that we learn from this myth is that that descent into the darkness is is very important in the process of soul making. And I remember having this conversation with my uh, my dear friend Carrie Roy over at neworleanspsychic.com and it was after Katrina and we you know we were all feeling kind of messed up at that point. And she and I were just talking about various events in our life. And we kind of came to the the conclusion that, you know, it seemed to be a prerequisite if you want to really do this kind of depth work guiding people that you need to go crazy at some point. You know, you need to go beyond the pale and experience what it feels like to lose yourself, you know, to, to not know if you're going to make it back, to have to rely on on some kind of trust that transcends the ego. And that's what Scorpio teaches us. So it's interesting this week that we have this sextile between the sun and Venus and Scorpio and Pluto and Ceres or Demeter in Capricorn. And as, as more unfolds the myth, you know, he talks about the various stages of, of Demeter's grief and, and what she goes through. And at one point, Demeter um, puts on human guys and becomes the nanny for a little boy in a town. And at night, she puts the boy in the fire every night to burn away his um, his mortality, to burn away his, uh, his weaknesses and make him immortal. And his mother one time comes in and sees what's happening and screams out in terror and more says Demeter becomes very angry at the mortal's failure to understand you don't know when fate is bringing you something good or something bad she shouts a basic theme in this story in which Zeus and Hades the lord of life and the lord of death are at work this is good advice from the mother of mothers understand that sometimes things that look dangerous from a mortal point of view may be beneficial from a greater perspective He goes on to say that the the myth shows us that there is a difference between human mothering and divine mothering. The latter has a broader perspective and is a deep form of the maternal impulse. And eventually Demeter reveals her divinity to the townspeople and, and asks them to build a temple to her. And Moore says... Each of us might be encouraged to build such a temple to the mother so that the mothering that goes on in life on our behalf and from our own actions is an evocation of the great mother, a mothering that is greater in scope than any human maternal care could ever be. In practical terms, whenever we sense that we are overdoing it as mothers or being too sensitive to the needs of others, then it may be time to honor a greater mother to evoke the spirit of Demeter rather than to take that role upon ourselves. And, you know, this, what occurred to me as I was meditating on this in my own life, and and I think so many of us who are healers and psychics and sensitives and light workers and, you know, are on the spiritual path and are tuned in, we have a tendency to you know, we really want to heal the whole world and, and we want the people around us to get it and to be made whole. And, and if you've been on this path for any length of time, you realize, Hey, these things, these practices work and they are practices. I have to keep at them and they evolve and they change, but they work the yoga and the meditation and you know, the Qigong and the, the breathing and, and all of that. Um, it, it, it leads to a better place. And, you know, it's really hard for me in my relationship to see my partner or, um, my children, you know, or, or whoever may be my friend suffering. And I would love to just, you know, there's this part of me that leaps out and says, let me take that pain from you, or let me, let me bring you into the light. And I think one of the things that's suggested in this story is that, you know, that we can't do that. We can't, um, we can't force people to be happy or healthy or fulfilled. And a lot of times what that is, is that's us being pulled out of our center, you know, perhaps by the mothering that we didn't get when we were younger or, or being smothered by our mothers, whatever that is. Um, even if you just look at the way motherhood is treated, in Western society, especially in the United States, as far as being this surgical, um, almost treated as if it's a disease, you know, it, we, we don't really do that well with mothers and honoring the mother. And obviously this is reflected or projected out into the macrocosm as the re- very real and kind of scary damage that we're doing to our own home, to our own earth mother, mother earth. And that's part of the myth as well is that when, when Ceres is grieving for Persephone and nobody's giving her answers, she, as the goddess of the harvest, she dries up the harvest and, and you know, everybody's starving to death and the the earth is turning into a desert, into a wasteland. And that's a lesson for us that when we don't respect the mother and we don't take care of that internal nurturing function, you know, learning how to nurture ourselves. That's what we're going to create on a mass level. And pretty much everything is set up the way the consumer mass media society, it's set up so that we don't nurture ourselves, you know, and instead we reach for the remote or we reach for the potato chips or we reach for the beer or the weed or whatever. You know, we might say, oh, I'm taking care of myself. You know, I'm, I'm de-stressing. Um, but, w- you know, we don't go that to where that real mothering place would be and actually say, wow, I really love you. You're hurting. Why are you hurting? I don't you know if we're talking to ourselves. Let's slow down. Let's take a time out. Let's tell the kids they need to go in their room for a couple hours because I need to close the door and be alone. And just lie in bed and cry or feel the sadness that's coming up or, you know what, I'm going to take a day off of work because I really need to feel what's going on with myself or, you know, I'm going to take a break from my spouse because right now you're, you're bumming me out, you know, or you're up in my space or you're trying to get this stuff from me and I can't do that right now. I'm sad. I'm depressed. I'm depressed and until we learn how to give ourselves that nurturing rather than demanding it from some substance or some person outside of ourselves or rather than trying to get it by in a really unbalanced way projecting that need out into our relationship and saying oh i'm going to totally caretake you because that's easier than than you know nurturing myself we're going to continue creating this pollution, you know, that is is really fouling the nest and that is harming our mother, Mother Earth. And what, the potential I see in this week's astrology, so to bring that long point to a close, and, and I'll close with this, is that we get this, all of the soul searching that's been going on with Scorpio. There's this real communicative aspect this week that can kind of show us, okay, here's how what's been going on with me since way back in April with the the start of the oil spill, here's the pattern in myself where I'm not nurturing myself, you know, or where I'm not um, paying attention to the parts of myself that have been wounded that I've um, rejected or denied. And here's how this fits into this big transition, this Pluto and Capricorn transition that's going on in in society. I remember also that Pluto is the God of wealth so when we do pay attention to the soul, which is Pluto's realm, the underworld realm, when we do pay attention to the subconscious, to the psyche, you know, eventually that is going to lead us to wealth, whatever that means for us in the, in this lifetime. And I do feel like there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for those of us who are healers, for those of us who are um, progressive and who are trying to create a better world as we go through this transition it'll be interesting this week to see how we can connect the persistent sort of struggle or, or pain that we've been dealing with on a psychic level over the last few weeks with what's going on in society in a bigger picture. And it really seems like this strong positive opportunity for us, you know, and I'll also be interested to see what happens on an environmental ecological level it'd be interesting to see if we get some news about the oil spill. Of course, I hope it's good news. As this Pluto-Series conjunction comes back around for the first time in, in Capricorn since the oil spill, it'll be interesting to see how that mass consciousness has evolved. Because again, we can look at Pluto as our soul parts. You know, the parts of the deep parts of the self, the denied parts of the self. Uh, that which is not ego and series as this question of how well are we doing with nurturing? You know, how well are we doing with, with, um, giving those parts of the self attention, both on an individual and a collective basis. So I do hope it's good news. Uh, it will be interesting to watch. I hope you found this useful and enjoyable until next week. This is astrologer DK Brainerd saying, may you go with the stars. I've seen the best minds of my generation refuse to take their medication Your electroshocks, your chemical pills Mmm, ain't gonna cure what ails us And I've seen the best minds of my generation Washing windows at the service station Pass up the beat.